be damned if the same politicians who refused to act then are going to try to come back today. The real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the, in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for. When the powerful use their position to bully others, we all lose. A system of justice will be the richer for diversity of background and experience. And correction! Hello, everybody. It's me, Ms. Cracker. I'm here with my co-pilot, Caitlin, or my crow-pilot, Caitlin. And it's time for She's a Woman. It's a podcast for every human being who looks into the mirror and says, She's a woman! And for the people who love them. Every week, even when we're on the road. We talk to incredible women of all kinds, from all walks of life, and invite them to share their stories with you, our incredible listeners. And that's exactly what we're going to do today, Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlin? Yes? I'm looking at you. <laughs> yeah, you always are. <laughs> yes, I am. Always three feet from your face because we are currently on tour. We are sitting in the green room of a beautiful theater in Portland on a glorious solo tour in the great USA. How are you enjoying our journey so far with my solo tour, She's a Woman? I'm loving it. It's way more peaceful on a solo tour than uh, on a group tour. And And that's it. And that's it. (laughs) And we uh, just had a lovely crew member walk in Mm -hmm. to say hello to us. And And give us our And give us our luggage, which is very important. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I'm having a wonderful time on tour. We have a nice female crew. Yeah. You get to do it solo, so it's like you're the boss. You yeah, know what I mean? I'm the boss, it's great. And there's no other divas, just just me uh, and my Right, ego. and yeah. we love. We're obsessed with sleeping on the bus. We love it. It's the mm-hmm. best sleep you're ever gonna get. Yeah, yeah, it's great, and it's our first like solo tour in over two years. Yeah, it's our first solo tour in over two years, and it's my first bus tour through America. That's ever. right, as, because, as, as a solo tour. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, my first bus solo tour through America because we keep trying to do that in various different ways over the years for various different shows and they keep getting pushed because of all-stars or COVID or yep. other and now, natural disasters. Here we are, 2022, it's yeah. happening. We're older and grumpier and yeah. wiser though, I think. Yeah, and yeah. much wiser with a lot of stories to tell about yeah. our tours. Um, so we are well into this tour, but that doesn't mean you can't still get tickets. As you are listening to this right now in your in your eardrums, if you're listening to this on the day of release, we still have stops in Madison, Chicago, Columbus, Buffalo, Boston, Washington DC, Atlanta, Birmingham, New Orleans, Dallas, Houston, Austin, Cleveland. It's gonna be absolutely wonderful. So get your tickets at she's a woman tour.com. What are you laughing at? <laughs> you spelled Houston, like Huston, is just making me laugh. Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) I can't spell. You're not supposed to look at... (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we're very excited. Yes, she'swomantour.com. Tickets. Some of the cities are sold out, but a lot of them still have tickets. Yeah. So come see us. Come see Cracker. You probably won't see me. Well, you'll see Caitlin. I'll push her out on stage. Oh. Anyway, Caitlin, I want to okay. dive right into our weekly interview. Our subject is right here watching us She's right now. She's awaiting her time. She's awaiting her time. But first, I have a little treat for you. Every week, we do a little segment called Here's the Good News, where we share positive stories torn from the headlines. Mm-hmm. 
The idea is that they'll bring you, our listeners, a little hope during these difficult times. And this week, our news is all about my favorite topic, justice for both trees and people. Okay, that is your favorite topic. Oh, absolutely. So you, my darling producer, you found the story. I did. You were you were like, here's some options for some good news. And I was like, oh, obviously, the trees won. I should have known. Yeah. So as many of you know, I speak for the trees, because the trees <laughs> cannot speak. Wherever Caitlin and I go in the world, I make it my business to identify the trees around us, because trees can tell you a lot about the story of the place that you're in. Mm -hmm. So when I hear that someone is taking steps to protect trees, I feel like it's good news for everyone. And in this story, protecting trees goes hand in hand with taking a step towards justice for indigenous people in these great United States or questionably okay United States, (laughs) depending on which area you're looking at in which part of history, you know? Okay, (laughs) tell me about it. Because even though I found this, Mm -hmm. I didn't read it. You were like, oh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. I was like, this sounds really important, but I'll let Cracker look and figure out what the story is. Yeah. Okay, so here's the good news. According to CNN, more than 500 acres of California redwood forest land have been officially returned to a group of Native American tribes whose ancestors were expelled from it generations ago. The land was purchased by San Francisco Conservation Group Save the Redwoods League and donated to the Intertribal Cinchione Wilderness Council. So by the end of the 1950s, only about 10% of the original 2 million acre redwood range remained untouched, Save the Redwoods League said. And today, redwoods face numerous threats, including human-induced climate change, which we believe it's human-induced on this podcast, by the way. Oh, yes. Human-induced climate change, land development, and poaching. The League believes that the best way to permanently protect and heal this land is through tribal stewardship that will restore balance in the ecosystem and in the communities connected to it, while also pushing the pace and scale of conserving California's iconic redwood forests. So, Caitlin, I'm always saying that the health of people and trees and uh, justice for both, they're interlinked. I know I was going to say it's like a double whammy of good news with this one. Yeah. It's about like returning something to the indigenous tribes. Yeah. But also about, you know, just all the things that we have to do for climate change and how more and more people are finally paying attention to it. Right. And figuring out different solutions. Yeah. What are the values that we carried forward from many indigenous cultures in the United States is the purpose of balance. And I think this is uh, an excellent example of restoring balance. We have to, we can't just be consuming things. We also have to be conserving things as well. Yeah. Makes me wonder what Sophia Lee would think of this story, you know? Yeah. Our our climate change expert on the the podcast. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, she would approve, I think, of the notion of abundance in the story, that there's so many wonderful things in this world to be saved, not just, we're not at a a point where we can't make the world a better place. We have things that we can protect. Yeah, never too late. Never too late. So, obviously, I do want to put a caveat on this and say... 
that there's no way to repair the injustices done to indigenous peoples and that this in no way is like a happy ending right, right. on that story. But it definitely is something we'd like to see more of, let's right. say. Yep, yeah. yeah, something yeah. we'd like to see more of. So if uh, projects like this can continue throughout the country and for indigenous people around the world, I think it would be great both for our environment and for justice for people who were wrongly expelled from their land. Agreed. So oh, Our trash history. Our know. trash history. <laughs> um, by the way, our trash history is a great idea for our next podcast, Caitlin. Right, right. We make one because there's plenty to cover there. So, Caitlin, I'm so grateful that you gave me that story. And uh, now it's time for us to take a little breather, take a little break, hear from our sponsors. Okay. Okay, we're back. Now, before we continue, let me say this. If you enjoy your time with us today, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Caitlin, do we love reviews? We love reviews. <laughs> we, love, we love them. <laughs> we can't get enough of them. We love hearing good affirmations about ourselves. You know right. What I mean? Yeah. Like, then we can go to the bathroom and look in the mirror and be like, I did something today. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? We love reviews so much. We're going to read some of our favorite reviews at the end of the show. So just submit on whatever platform you listen to this podcast. We will look at them. We will read them. We will tell everyone your name and that you're a great person. And because you are, honestly. Yeah. 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 If, if you're, you're leaving us a review, yeah. you're a great person. And honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you're a great person because you are supporting women, which is a great thing. Anyway, now it's time for our weekly interview. We have our interview subject in the room. <laughs> and this week, we're going to be talking to someone we adore, even though we've really just met her. Now, first of all, let me reiterate there are six people on the crew for this tour, six people besides me, for she's a woman, and four of them are women, which makes a lot of lady power on this mm -hmm. tour. But we'll be talking to the official, and this is her official job title, head bitch in charge, the woman <laughs> who keeps the whole operation rolling. We'll be talking to Kristen Schlosser, or Gypsy, as we call her, because she's been a tour coordinator for rock bands, rappers, drag queens, and me, a woman. A woman, yeah. <laughs> she's a woman. Yeah, I'm a woman. But she's also a fierce advocate for people in recovery from addiction, especially queer people in recovery. So, Gypsy, if I may, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast. If we do my whole story, we'll be here for a week. I know. Oh That's why I'm a great like moderator because I'm gonna I'm gonna keep us on track. It's 150 now. We're gonna be done at like 2:30, At two. At two. We're gonna do a 10 minute interview. <laughs> yeah. Rapid so fire. Nervous. What's your favorite kind of pickle? Okay, everyone. So as I said, I'm sitting here with the great Gypsy, who we've been on tour with for about a week now. It's been a wonderful experience, and and we just have been hearing bits and bobs, as they say in the UK, of wonderful stories, and we just wanted to dive in. So. This is a historic moment, or an historic moment, because we have never interviewed a subject in the same room. We've always done it over Zoom because of COVID, and this is the first time we were able to bubble and get a guest with us. But even though we're in the same room, I want to ask you, so we can set the scene, where are you? How are you? What are you doing today? That's how we start every podcast. Where am I? Mm-hmm. How am I? Mm-hmm. What you doing today? Well, first off, I would just like to say thank you mm -hmm. um, for 
for having me on your podcast. It's really pretty cool. But I also want to add that I'm not really a fan. <laughs> Just want to get that out of the way. You. You're welcome. So everything that you hear from her is totally unbiased, everybody. I took completely spaced that. <laughs> and for anyone who's listening that thinks I'm a horrible person, they know I'm joking. Yeah. Um, so where am I? I am currently in Portland. We have a show day. So it's show day number four of the um, She's a Woman tour. Mm-hmm. And we're at Revolution Hall. How am I? I'm actually feeling pretty good today. Things are things are moving. Things are grooving. You haven't had any really ludicrous backstage demands yet. I'm hoping that you get a little more demanding because I like those challenges. Yeah. We were going to talk to the crew and see if we could come up with some outrageous demands for me that would be fun for all of us. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we'll, we'll think about it. We're going to come up with it. Yeah. I might need a Shetland pony. You know, <laughs> Caitlin is approved. <laughs> wow. Now that would be a first for me. That yeah. would be a challenge. And I'm not sure if that's legal. So I'll have to check into that. <laughs> right. We'll see. We'll choose the right venue. And uh, then then Gabriel will like do a sneaky film of me screaming <laughs> for my Shetland. And then we'll release it on Reddit. And what am I doing? I'm yeah. the tour manager. Yeah. I'm the boss of you. Tour coordinator. I am. I'm You're the boss of me. I am. Mm-hmm. For, for all intents and purposes for the next few weeks. Yep. I'm the boss of you. Yay! That makes me very happy because I feel like we're in capable hands um, and everything has gone so smoothly so far and we've made a lot of people happy, which is, I always say, the whole point of my drag. And we're doing this to use one of your favorite phrases, one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And we're making every show a little bit different and a little bit better because we're not thinking about the tour as a whole, we're thinking about making every day the best day. So, I love that. Now, you and I have something in common. We need tours to survive. And I know what it was like for me, but I wanted to know what it was like for you to be a tour coordinator during the pandemic, the lockdown, the worst parts of it, when everything was ground to a halt. Oh, wow, Um, good question. So yeah, my husband and I both are lifelong um, touring people. That is our career. It's not just a hobby or something that we do in the summer. Literally, that's how we pay our mortgage. So when the pandemic hit, he was already out on the road and he got a call um, saying he was being sent home and I was getting ready to leave on a tour. And honestly, it could have been one of your tours at that point. I, you were one of the first off for the year yeah. that got put push back and then push back again. So um, I got a call from Five Senses Reeling, who is um, the company that I work with, that we're building out the the touring division for the company. So I got a call that tour got pushed back. Maybe there'll be another one. As we all know, here we are two years later and there really weren't any. So um, (laughs) other than two short tours last year. So um, my husband and I really had to kind of reevaluate like deep down, like who we are as people, what our career um, paths were going to look like, you know, what do we do for the next two weeks, two months, two years, who knows? So for us, it was just like a really, I call it the hard reset. Like it was just boom, we're here. And so, you know, he took some odd jobs here and there. He actually went down to Texas and shuttled, um, because my husband's a tour bus driver, so he went down to the front lines and shuttled front line workers. Oh, wow. That were doing, um, I know, look at us. I know, we're that's the, essential we, work. Well, yeah. it is, and that, that's us. I mean, not to brag on him or, or me, but like we kind of, we walk the talk. So he went down and for three months, it was over Christmas, like he was away and he drove frontline workers, um, nurses in shifts 
shifts, um, two shifts a day to the hospital and back. So yeah. that's how he was able to put his skills to use. Right. I wasn't really able to translate. I mean, tour manager, I have to be on the road or even, um, you know, a remote tour coordination job requires a tour. Right. It's not that I found any place to virtually coordinate. You know right. what I mean? I wasn't building out live streams. You know, mm-hmm. that's just not what um, played out for me. Hello, somebody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and other and other companies and places pivoted, but we were a brand new company. I mean, thankfully, Five Senses did keep me on um, my retainer, and they kept me, you know, with the the hopes of being back on the road. But I had to, I had to kind of find a new. I don't know, new new living, I guess, for a year. I come from a recovery background. I'm, there's no shame in my game. I'll have 14 years sober, knock on wood, on April 4th. And so treatment, um, recovery from substance and addiction, is that's my jam. So I got a job at a very well-known, reputable treatment facility, and I worked um, on the front lines with the teen girl unit. Yeah. And so I went from rock and roll tour manager to the stars to working with really um, in need young girls from the ages of 13 to 24 yeah that were in recovery that's incredible so just like my whole world went 360 yeah and you're a person that is like on the go and I'm Mm -hmm. not surprised that you found something that is important to you to do. I know I personally, I had a long time where I was just collapsed inward and I wasn't doing anything. I couldn't figure myself out. It's like when you dive into the water and you can't figure out which direction is up. I had that for a long time. So I think it's amazing that you found something to put your energy into that was actually important too. Well, and I had to, too. I mean, because, I mean, to speak on that, I mean, as a performer, I mean, it's your livelihood, mm-hmm. right? Also, yeah, and that, right. it's also your right. passion. It's something you enjoy doing. And um, from what I've seen in a lot of artists, I mean, it's 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 defining. Mm-hmm. It's character defining. It's almost yeah. like you become, you know, this is me and who am I without this? Right. So for me, I didn't really go through that existential crisis because I already know me. It was just taking the job away. And at the core, my sobriety and my recovery, that's who I am. Yeah. So for me, the transition made sense, you know? Um, Was it difficult? Yeah. 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 Teen girls in treatment? Mm -hmm. Very hard. Yeah. But, you know, so is tour managing. (laughs) I wonder now that you... Except for you. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. You hear that, everyone? Uh, Now that you have said that, I kind of wonder what's one of the biggest lessons that you felt the young women you were working with needed to hear one of the biggest things you wish they knew. And I should go back and preface that, I'm sorry, because it's not just teen girls, although I was on the, what is still referred to, I mean, we're still kind of behind as far as nomenclature um, in in labeling of people in treatment. It's not quite there yet, but it is considered the teen female and young adult unit, but we did have um, non-binary. So there are they, them. um, Women plus. Yeah, Yeah. so Mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to clarify that before people thought I was just, you know girls only or something wild. No, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. we're, we're open here. Like we're, we're in it to win it here. Um, my biggest lesson, and it sounds so cheesy, but every time I say it, I'm like, I mean it, I get goosebumps. So when I get yeah. goosebumps, you know, I mean it yeah. is that you are loved by mm. someone, even yeah. if it's me, a stranger, yeah. you are worthy of love. And there is literally not a single thing that you can tell me that you have done that is going to make me go, 
oh no yeah you bad person yeah because these young girls come in and they like to think that they've done all of these horrible things and that they're unforgivable and unlovable and i'm like what you're doing is reading a page out of the book that i wrote i know you see an older woman that you know can't possibly know and i'm like no (laughs) yeah i've been there been there done that yeah so that was always for me like the biggest lesson if they could come in and get a little bit of love and feel a little bit forgiven for a moment. Not like I'm some holier than thou person, like a priest that can, you know, yeah. forgive them. I don't mean yeah. that, but if they can feel a little bit of forgiveness and for feel themselves. a little bit of self-love, yeah. that's it. I can't make them stop using drugs. Yeah. I can't cure their eating disorder. Mm-hmm. I can't undo their trauma. Yeah. All I can do is show up and go, hey, I love you. Yeah, that's amazing. Right? I mean, honestly... That's one of the, our biggest lessons of this podcast that we try to carry through is that you can do anything and that you are worth it. You can mm-hmm. make anything out of your life because you are somebody just by just by the fact that you're here, you have value. So we want people to listen to this and feel like they can pursue wonderful things in their life, mm. no matter who they are. Um, so you're gonna make me a fan, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, what, this is what we want, and this is what we want, and I know we could we could have a gossip column. Caitlin and I d- had definitely have a lot of gossip, um, but this is what we wanted to do. So um, anyway, I don't want to dwell too much on COVID because listen, it's here. We're tired of it, but I want to know what does it feel like today to run tours with the threat of COVID taking everything down? That's my last COVID-related question. Mm-hmm. How does it change the tone of your work? It makes it, I don't want to say a lot more challenging. There are are new challenges that are different in the landscape that I've never had to consider before that we've been considering as we've been building up to getting on the road, you know, constant testing, certain protocols. I mean, like the bubble that we're in, we're all living in the little bus together, bus bus to hotel, hotel to venue. Masks all the time. Masks and all of that. I mean, but beyond that, I think mentally and psychologically, it's just, it's not that it's dark, but it's almost like it's a lot more somber yeah right whereas yeah. i mean we have moments of laughter and hilarity and we're dancing and we're and we're goofy but at the yeah. end of the day my job isn't to be goofy and laughy my job is to make sure we all get there safe on time healthy happy we get paid we go home yeah so for me it's a little more daunting it's a little more challenging um i go to sleep at night i'm like you know what did we do right today what can right. we do better tomorrow you know is everybody yeah. so but like you said i mean we're tired of it yeah so there's that part of me that's just so uh yeah exhausted from it it's like it's like pandemic fatigue for sure i think for me this the hardest part just to add my two cents and what I see other people going through is that when we test, which we do regularly because we want this tour to be safe. When we test, I watch everyone going, please Uh not because they're worried about being sick for themselves. They're worried about the tour Uh and everyone feels like there, there should be no stigma because we're in Omicron territory now. And like, it can it's so easily passed but i think everyone is like please don't let it be me because i would be heartbroken to be the person that you know made everyone feel like the tour was in danger so i think that's the the hardest part the part that wears Mm -hmm. me out the most and that's the part that keeps us i think all on the bus having a chardonnay in a paper cup (laughs) and like you know you know talking gossip without mentioning any names you know no names no names names i've heard some interesting stories yeah Yeah. and i've heard some interesting stories no names speaking of interesting stories let's get to yours so 
This is my favorite part of the podcast, the moment where we press rewind, right, Caitlin? And we get to talk about young Gypsy. So I understand that you grew up in Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. and I want to know, what was your family like? What were you like as a kid? We want to know what, what young Gypsy was like. Oh, my gosh. I was... The wild child. Okay, I'm not surprised. I know, right? I think we discussed this earlier that I was like, I would be the black sheep of the family with mm-hmm. the eye patch on uh-huh. and like a very long <laughs> scarf flowing behind me, frolicking through the field while everybody else would be sitting at dinner properly dressed, you know, like on time and all, like right. I'm out in the woo in the ethers. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I mean, I had this pretty much, um, I had this David. Cofferfield kind of family. There was uh, never a lacking, I was never lacking anything um, except maybe emotional connection. You know, I mean, we all have our things and isms growing up. Um, I had a lot of loss early on that I think was very for- formulative. You know, mm-hmm. father figure left and stepfather came in and was adopted and he passed away when I was 15. And honestly, that's kind of when. Gypsy went full tilt, like okay. wild person. Okay. So there was a lot of early childhood trauma, not to get all dark on you, but I mean, like, look, I'm better now. Yay. Yeah. Um, I mean, li- we like a story arc. Yeah. So there was, you know, there was a lot of early, you know, traumatic, emotional disturbances um, in the force. And that is really when like my addiction and substance use disorder started. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, weekend parties in high school, getting drunk, whatever, smoking weed, blah, 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 progressed to, but I still managed to go to college and do what I was supposed to do, albeit on LSD at Grateful Dead concerts, and but still graduate. What did you study at college? I studied, so I have a degree, I have a bachelor's degree in world history, um, world religion, and a minor in philosophy and Spanish. Wow, that's so amazing. You know what my uh, uh, BA is in? (laughs) What? Ancient literature. Okay, fantastic. We should talk. (laughs) Let's talk. And I'm like, here we are putting our VAs to work, weaponizing our... (laughs) We could. Yeah. We could. Did you want to talk about Mesopotamia later? I would love to. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. So so, um, that's amazing. Uh, Now, I wanted to, based on what you were saying earlier, did you feel... And and Caitlin talks about this a little bit, too. The difference between a partying for a good time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. partying. What is it that you say, Caitlin, to... It's like either, like, fill a hole or... To bury things. Do you feel like you were burying a feeling that you were not worth it? Because that's something that you said that young young women uh, of all kinds, women plus, miss out on. Um, Do you feel like you were burying that feeling of not being enough of course and so like for people that don't really know too much about addiction so it is categorized it is in the dsm-5 it is a real disease yeah and so some of the isms or some of the characteristics are you know like obsessive compulsive thinking erratic behavior self-loathing negative self-talk obsessive negative self-talk so there are countless theories on where it stems from, what it stems from, but absolutely for me, lack of emotional connection early on, feeling less than, um, feeling strange or weird or isolated or odd because I was kind of a unique creative type spirit, even though the role I'm in now is not creative, but I have that element. So I never fully fit in anywhere. And that's very common too. Like 
like addicts usually we feel like well we don't belong we don't fit anywhere we punish ourselves we take the substance to fill the void or Mm -hmm. to try and connect with someone to socially bridge the gap and really um that's creating more and more division right right? and more and more trauma and that's the cycle of addiction and that's when and where people can't get out of it right right like caitlin was talking about earlier watching people do that year after year after year and then it's like well if you truly have the disease of addiction you can't stop yeah and yeah. that's yeah so full on that's me full on junkie so I you're it. you're an advocate and i think an educator so i just want to clarify something like what do you say to people that are like listen she just needs to get it together she needs to pull herself together she, there can be no excuses it's just bad habits or people that tell that to themselves they're like look, I just need to pull it together. This is just a bad habit. I'm just a bad person. Like, how do you explain to them that it's a disease and that it goes beyond that? Like, how do you reach people that don't see it? Um, a lot of times you can't. So I've stopped trying to convince anyone who just believes otherwise because yeah. it's like banging my head against the wall. Got it. Right? Like, if I can't convince them that Ms. Cracker is the most famous drag queen in all the land, <laughs> they're not worth my time. Uh, yay! Okay! Honestly, Caitlin, we need to have that. (laughs) So, I mean, no, I mean, and that's not me being dismissive and I'm not, it's not a defeatist, but really I cannot change their mind. Right. And somebody who is in the throes of addiction, I can tell, I can take one look. Yeah. And all I can say is we'll go back out there and try another eight ball of cocaine. If that works for you, great. When it doesn't work anymore, call me. I have a seat for you at our table at a little club. Yeah. And I know some people that can get you help when you're ready. Right. Right? Yeah. Because nobody could have told me otherwise. Yeah. Countless people did and tried until I literally was so physically sick and defeated that I had to get help. Right. Nobody was going to convince me. Right. Right? Totally. Yeah. So, okay. I'm imagining from what I've read and from listening to you that you got into the tour life because you fell in love with rock and roll and music. (laughs) And I want to know about the beginnings of that. Like, when did you know that you were like, oh my God, rock and roll music, this is going to be part of my life? You know, this is what always gets people about my story. I did not start touring until after I got sober. Mm -hmm. So when I got sober, I was in another marriage. Yeah. Um, Not my husband that I have now. I was living a whole different life in a fancy house in Malibu with a whole different situation going on. Yeah. And when I got sober and I came out of rehab and I got a divorce and I suddenly was homeless, jobless, careerless, Mm. no longer a trophy wife and no longer living on the dole. Yeah. And I walked out of that big mansion with one rolling case and started everything over. Yeah. So I went to an AA meeting. Yeah. Because I didn't know where else to go. Yeah. And I walked in, I said, hi, I have no home. I have no job. I'm starting my entire life over, literally, and I'm I'm an alcoholic and I'm just here to do this. I just gotta stay sober. So give me some advice. I'm ready to listen. And um two older an older couple um who owned a little rock studio said, mm. hey, we have a spare room yeah, and we have a little rock studio. If you want to come work for us in exchange for rent or a place, a futon to sleep on, yeah, come on down. And so I left an AA meeting and went and stayed in Stranger's house. Yeah. 
and started working at their little rock and roll venue. And from there, I learned how to um, manage a studio, manage a venue, promote shows, book shows. I booked Macklemore like um, when he was first starting out. Wow. And I just started working in the little venue and bands would come through and say, hey, do you want to go on tour? And I'm like, well, no, not yet. And finally, a band came through and said, do you want to go on tour? I'm like, yeah, I do. I hopped in the van with a punk rock band and took off for the Wild West. Amazing. Wild, right? Yeah, that's really wild. And what's funny is... (laughs) I told you it was wild. You're like, I want your story. I'm like, can you handle it? Yeah, I mean, like, okay, I, as you know from watching my show and it's like widely known I started drag because of someone I met on the street on accident in a snowstorm yes and Caitlin met me on the street on accident um, in the middle of pride in New York and I think we've been talking about this on the bus a lot of young people are told that if you don't focus into one specific career path in high school ace your SATs and know where you're going then you're gonna screw up. And I only say that because I remember how much I was suffering in high school over the fact that I didn't know what I wanted to do and that I wasn't doing great on my tests. And I just wanna impart to any of our young listeners, because I know we have a lot, that sometimes (laughs) you (laughs) run into your, your career on the street and it can happen in so many ways. So if it's not coming to you through the usual channels, that's fine. Just walk out of the house. Absolutely. And you may encounter it, you just know? go to an AA meeting. Uh, yeah. If you need one, let me know. No, yeah. just kidding. Oh, exactly. <laughs> we have an advocate right here, and she know, she has resources. It's true. I mean, you know, my entire life has been non-conventional, and I believe that everything has been divinely guided to get me to where I am right here, right now, but there's no way I could have written this script. There's no way I could have planned for this, and certainly a degree in ancient history Mm-hmm. Didn't did not qualify me to be a tour manager yeah. for drag queens. However, I will say <laughs> that w- if you are listening to this and thinking that we're saying don't go to college, we want you to have access to the most education you can possibly mm-hmm. get to help you think about thinking. It doesn't matter what you study. If you love it, learn how to think and how to criticize your own thoughts because you need that everywhere. Mm-hmm. I still use my ancient literature stuff every day. What is Caitlin thinking? But it's also okay if you don't. But it's also okay if you don't. Like, right. just don't think we're discouraging you. That's all I mean. Like, if you're like, oh, I guess I shouldn't go. Like, if you want to go, go and, and use it. Absolutely. But it's not the only path, right? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. You can meet people on the street. You can yeah. meet people at a meeting. You can meet people, you know, the path just unveils itself to you. That's what I believe. When I first worked in New York, I was working for a publisher who was 100 years old. (laughs) He never, he was 100, when he passed, he was 101. And he never finished high school, but he worked as a book packer in a warehouse for a book distributor when he was a teenager and just worked his way up because he loved books so much to being a publisher and he never finished high school so you know it just like you never know where your story is going to take you and now on a on a practical level you said that you when you were struggling Mm -hmm. walked into an AA meeting where are some places that you think people if you're listening to this and you're struggling with addiction what are some places you can go to get help right now like you can walk out the door and or how can how can you find those places a lot of um, local community centers will have resources like that there's the national um there's 
the National Mental Health line. Mm -hmm. You can pretty much Google any type of resource. So um, AA meetings, um, while they're a little bit esoteric, you can Google them. Everything is on Zoom now because during the pandemic, we had to shift from in-person meetings to online. So you can Google online um, and find um, 12-step meetings or other. There There are all kinds of recovery paths. A lot of people use AA. I'm vocal about it, even though a lot of people are have issues with me being vocal about what my 12-step program is. That's my path. Yeah. I'll take that karma. But there's Buddhist-type recovery, Dharma recovery, smart recovery churches. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what denomination, but a lot of churches will have recovery meetings. Um, they'll rent out the space. Um, if there's like an LGBTQ center in your neighborhood or that you're familiar with, they can direct you to resources. Um, it's really just not that hard to find these days yeah. because everything's so available. Yeah, I just want everyone to feel like it's easy. It is. Because I I know that one of the biggest steps after you realize that you have a problem that you're struggling is that you feel like you're alone and that it's a huge step to get someone to help you. And yeah, I want to take that barrier down. Now, speaking of barriers, <laughs> so at this, this point going? in the story, at this point in the story, we're going to talk about dental dams. No. Um, <laughs> Where is this going? <laughs> At this point in the story, you've launched a, a life that is growing more and more towards the touring world to being involved in music, working with bands of all kinds, whether they're rappers or uh-huh. punk rockers. And it sounds to me like you're interfacing with a lot of men, whether they're straight men or now gay men, cis men. I wonder how being a woman impacts your work and particularly how people listen to you because that's a big part of this podcast too talking about how being a woman impacts your work in your field well coming from the rock and roll and the heavy metal and the rap genres into drag it's kind of it's 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 been different there are not a lot of female tour managers i'm just going to put that out there yeah and it is still very much a male-dominated field and so those of us you know ogs that are still standing i mean we're a little rough around the edges maybe a little more abrasive i have to communicate quickly and my negotiation skills have to just be on point that's it right there is no negotiation you see yeah i'm telling you how it's going to be and because of that then there's all the labels i know all of that but um just clinical assessment and move on right i can't get emotional about it okay i'm being talked to i'm uh, at a certain way because i'm female i'm being condescended to by you know the males in the industry okay great next Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. still here to do my job. So it's very, it's, and it's changing a little bit. And I think that the pan, pandy has um, <laughs> shifted it a yeah. little bit. Um, I think people are a little more inclusive and a little less concerned about that, that barrier. Um, but it's definitely challenging. Mm. It's, it's definitely still, I, I know a handful of female tour managers and I know countless male. Do you have a support group? Yeah, talk to each other. <laughs> we should. You know what? We should actually. I I don't. I mean, I do have a lot of um, females that tour that I can chat with and kind of powwow with, but not not really. I don't actually have it. That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, I feel like a coalition is needed. I have noticed that you have to have like an almost like swashbuckling mm-hmm. way of dealing with the world because I I'm sure you sense that if you have a a moment of weakness or uncertainty that people are going to jump on that in a different way 
They do. And then it, it, it you know, and then it's interesting. It's, it has its own challenges. Mm. Um, like even with my own crew, you know, I like to employ a variety mm-hmm. of people. I want the best person for the job. Right. But I like to give opportunity to the next generation, younger girls, younger, you know, non-binary people, like whoever I can help bring up. And sometimes I'm intimidating. I'm intense. They're scared of me. They're like, oh God, she's mad at me. I'm like, no, I'm not mad. I don't even have time to get mad. I'm just clear. Yeah. I'm just, this is it. Yeah. Point blank period. Take yeah. it or leave it. If you don't like it, we'll, we'll talk about it later when we have time to be emotional. Right now, we have to get a job done. Okay. So it can be kind of intimidating. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have people's lives and safety on the line in your in your job. Yeah. So, so I don't get to be soft. I mean, yeah. I can I can lead with kindness, and I think that I I think that I'm pretty good at balancing that. Yeah. You know. For but sure. That's a skill set that you have to kind of learn. Yeah. In time, right? You can't teach that. Yeah. Okay. So. I feel like you lead a really amazing life because A, you're getting to do what you want to do mm-hmm. and B, you work with people that a lot of folks would want to meet. You work with people that I would want to meet. And so I kind of wonder if there's someone that's listening that wants to get into the the tour life, work and do what you do, where's a good place to start? What's something that you, a resource that you wish you had early on that you didn't? That's tough because I don't know. There's not like a database. Right. What I would suggest is finding a mentor. That's what Mm -hmm. I would suggest. If you can find somebody. And like I have interviewed people who have just cold emailed me and said, I know about you. I know about your career. This is what I want to do. Here's my resume. Would you please talk to me? And I am more than happy to hop on a Zoom or an email or take a phone call. I I can't take a thousand a day. Yeah. And I can't... to DMs, but if somebody really wants to pursue this, you know, find somebody such as myself um, and find a mentor or start at a local venue, right? Yeah. Um, Because, you know, like you didn't just suddenly become Ms. Cracker overnight and go on RuPaul's Drag Race, right? You had to start somewhere. (laughs) Took about a decade, yeah. Right, and me too. Yeah. Same, right? This is 14 years in the making for for me to get here to meet you at your level for us to do this together, right? So... Maybe we're slow. <laughs> no. Well, here's something. I mean, you're now telling a generation that I've noticed is very accustomed to, to sudden fame and sudden success. When, True. When they're looking at the media. True. They see people that are 19 that are suddenly. So don't feel like you're doing it wrong if it's taking you a decade. Yep. It just, it can be that way. And I, I think I see, a, for, a, from my perspective, a lot of, and we talk about this all the time, but younger queens, they're like, I've been doing drag for a week. Where is my $500 mm-hmm. booking and mm-hmm. my, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it's a long path. For me, it certainly was. It was eight years of doing scrap gigs before mm-hmm. I started to get any traction at all. And then I auditioned for Drag Race. And then, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Right, so you started locally, right? Yeah. You start with what you've got, right? Yep. So if you are you want to be a tour manager, start somewhere mm-hmm. that a tour would populate, you know? Yeah. Like at a local venue or a theater or learn um, as many skills as you can. Because if you're invaluable in your skill set, I will just snatch you up and take you like all of my crew yeah they're just invaluable they each have a very specific skill set that every tour needs but they also can branch out um and do do other things as needed yeah and i think every well one of my crew members started out actually playing in a band and now he's production managing and he also produces music so um 
just learn the craft, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, learn the craft. Yeah. And honestly, the longer it takes you to get anywhere, the better because you build those skills over a long period of time. And sometimes I see people that start their craft, get snatched into the public eye super fast, and they're totally unprepared because they've only been doing this for right. five minutes. So that's not necessarily the best thing either. Very um, true. To go back to trees, Caitlin, trees that grow quickly are more brittle and trees that grow slowly because they're kept in the shade, they're stronger because they build a, a stronger base. So I think that's a good metaphor for it. Like slow growth is not bad growth. Not yeah. at all. Yeah. So this is what I want to ask you now. What is next for you? Um, I understand that you have a project where you're working with nonprofits to reach out and help queer artists struggling with addiction. Can you talk about this project a little bit? I can. I just can't go into specific course, details. Yeah. But the company I work for, my uncles, love my uncles. Yeah. They are actually working on starting a foundation that would be doing a lot of community outreach and addressing each one of our individual passion projects with a charitable arm and recovery is just that's my jam yeah we also are partnering on my next tour with a company called the roadie clinic they're a, a non-profit and during the pandemic they started collecting resources and putting together you know support for roadies who suddenly had no jobs yeah so helping people with housing or helping people find jobs or helping people get health insurance so now we are going to hopefully bring to the roadie clinic the lgbtq plus factor right and yeah. so really start taking a look at our touring folks in the community yeah. and then further that with i my big goal is you know the, yeah. the christian schlosser or the gypsy grand or whatever we can yeah. call it to where i really get a young person into treatment yeah Incredible. And pay for pay for rehab. That's it. So a little bit of everything, kind of just starting to piece all of that together. But definitely want to help roadies. Definitely want to help the queer community. And want to, you know, I can't wait to to help get somebody into treatment. Like it's like that's it. That's when I can say, Mom, I made it. Right. Okay. Like it's not about the biggest tour. It's not about you know the paycheck. It's not about the celebrity I'm working with. It's about look, I'm able to get to a place where I can do this. Yeah. And go full circle. That's amazing. You know. That, yeah. That's that's how we're we're getting close. And what do you want for Gypsy personally? to happen next oh let's see i want to go on tour with my husband okay that's happening so okay, exciting good. on a personal level i'm really pretty fulfilled right now i'd like yeah. to buy a house in santa fe okay <laughs> open up a restaurant in santa fe yeah uh, <laughs> i know with the restaurant though <laughs> uber eats yeah uber eats from there yeah <laughs> Well, Gypsy, thank you so much for joining us on She's a Woman today, and I can't wait to do a show with you tonight. Oh, yeah. We've Let's, got... It's show day. Get to work. Let's, all right. Here we go. All right. Here we go. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay, Caitlin, that was our interview for today, and what did you think of that? That was such a wonderful one. What yeah. a, like, just inspiring story. It just... I like... I really enjoy hearing about the many different pathways that someone gets to their current career or life yeah because it just i feel like it's so cemented that you have to do everything a certain way you yeah. know what i mean as a it's like you have to either go to school and have it picked out or you have to find a way to be like internet famous overnight you know what i mean like i just feel like i like hearing like the wandering stories because that's 
honestly how life really goes. Yeah. The people that you see shoot to sudden stardom at 18, that is not the yeah. typical path and that's not something you should expect from yourself it's unhealthy yeah um and, so. and it's so amazing to hear about all her like work with young women yeah into rehabs and, and stuff i'm like yeah. wow yeah so inspiring we're on tour with a really cool person we are on tour with a really cool person it was really cool to be in the room with her i felt like that yeah makes this a very special yeah. interview because we we have connected in a way that we don't get to with most of our um I know. subjects and honestly not to be shallow, but I'm like the visual of her walking out of a mansion with one suitcase and walking into an AA meeting and being like, like probably wearing like a fur coat. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Just being yeah. like, all right, starting over. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just like, I, it's such a powerful visual and such a inspiring moment to be so humble to just know that you need help and to ask for it. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Okay, yeah. Where is that Netflix TV show? I want to see, About, yeah. you know, yeah. a young woman who ended mm-hmm. up touring with uh, yep. these famous stars, but... Yep. You know what I mean? Like, but yep. her life started differently 14 <laughs> years ago. I, I would love it. I would love it. I would watch that show. A star wrangler is born. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was absolutely amazing. I can't wait to do, at the time of recording, weeks and weeks more work with her and with her incredible team. I know. Now I'm like, do we um, put the other two on the podcast as well? Get their stories? Oh, Honestly, while we're on tour with them, absolutely, because it sounds like they have some pretty wild stories. So, listeners, you may be hearing from our entire a little a little series, a little tour series. Yeah, (laughs) a little documentary about this tour. So, honestly, the best way to engage with the tour and get some of these stories is to come and see us. You can come see us in person. Um, and see the show that we're making because I think this is all of our favorite thing to do is this show from the different ways that we're yeah, doing it. So yep. come see us at our happiest. But before we go on, it's time for us to take a little break. Okay, we're back. All right, now, Craitlin, I want to say this again. If you listeners liked your time with us today, make sure to subscribe to the podcast rate it and review it we love reviews as i said we love them so much we're going to read some of our favorite reviews right here at the end of the show so caitlin do you have a favorite review this week and you need some coffee i do i'm very (laughs) tired i've been sitting around a lot today um i don't think i've read this one yet i look forward to every new episode Mm -hmm. let's be real i will listen to almost any drag queens podcast at least once One thing I love about this podcast and what has made it one of my favorites is it's not just a drag queens podcast. Cracker and Caitlin bring their unique perspectives to interviews with incredible, interesting women. They do their homework and ask good questions, and I find myself bummed that the conversation is ending every episode. I'm introduced to new ideas and things I never even thought existed, and I'm exposed to new perspectives with every conversation. Thank you, Cracker and Caitlin. Your hard work is very appreciated. It's a really nice review. Thank you. That's a really nice review. Thank you so much. And I like to think of you on the other side feeling bummed when the conversation is over because honestly, we feel the same way. We're kind of like, oh. Um, I feel like they have even more story because every person is so interesting. Yeah. So don't be bummed. Join us next week because next week we're going to have another amazing story from another amazing person that we know you'll love because we love them too. So, Caitlin, that brings us to my favorite part okay. of the podcast. It's your favorite part. It is my favorite part. It's time for the credits. This podcast was brilliantly produced by Caitlin Gretham, <laughs> and then I did it. 
The cast includes me and also Caitlin, and it is distributed by the amazing Studio 71. But I do all the writing and the editing yeah. and stuff, so yeah. don't get confused. We do a lot of work on this on our bus. <laughs> so thank you for joining us today. Make sure to tune in next Monday for another exciting episode. And remember, if you ever feel down, or exhausted, Caitlin. <laughs> All you have to do is look in the mirror and say, She's a woman! And I'll be with you. We Good harmonize. Yeah. In this room. Yeah, <laughs> we harmonize perfectly. <laughs> and now, the Portland Girls Choir presents <laughs> She's a Woman. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs>